0: With a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George, welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM.
1: Good chilly morning. Uh, I hope you guys are all staying nice and warm and uh, heated in your homes. Uh, This morning I I made a Facebook post because I I woke up quite early and had a bit of time, and I wrote, um, uh, I wrote, I really think that something like northern people are the bravest people because we all just placed our seed orders (laughs) <laughs> so my guest today i'm very pleased to have someone i respect a great deal uh chris Monroe, principal and ceo of cm2 ventures and that doesn't tell us a whole lot so chris can you just talk a little bit about uh, what you do for your business um, i sure can good morning good morning
2: trudy CM2 Ventures, I am a, a small business, a very small business, and I'm a supply chain management professional, and I work in, primarily in the professional services and construction arena, but I have in my past on all sorts of supply chain management issues and strategies and working for big businesses, and now I have my small Small business, so it's kind of a big turn of events. I've been doing this since, oh, about 2008. I do a lot of teaching and training as well to large and small businesses in supply chain and what
1: that's all about. So gosh. Well now I'm intrigued. We're we're gonna talk about small businesses later because you are a huge advocate of small businesses and 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 you know a lot about the 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 challenges and, and but also and but I mean most importantly the huge benefits small businesses are. But just digging down a little bit into your business, so your supply chain and you teach so what kind of things, like, well, I mean, without giving away the, the uh, uh, your secrets, but um, is, it, um, is it, I mean, we all, I mean, all of us, we're walking into our grocery stores, and we have empty shelves. And so I know that we talked about this once before, but what's going on? Because it's still happening. What's going on with that? It's economics, primarily supply and demand. And
2: a lot of the bottlenecks that we encountered during COVID in the supply chain issues, they're still there. I mean, things have improved dramatically over the last uh, 10 to 12 months. We're not seeing the volatility that we used to see. However, prices are still rising because there's so much more demand than there is supply available. So what
1: what went wrong, like, on a macroeconomic scale? Like, what went wrong? Because, I mean, I... This is new to me, right? I've never gone into a grocery store. I mean, this was stuff that was happening in the Soviet Union, in Cuba.
2: There's a lot of black swans that happened over time. I mean, one or two, yes, on a global yeah. area we can deal with. But when they all happen at once, uh, we had COVID, we've got the war, we've got... Um, Machinery shortages, you know, supply chain steals Ooh. an issue. All of these factors at the raw materials level take a little time to wind their way through to the end use, uh, end goods of supply chain. And those effects can take probably 36 to 46, 48 months to reconcile themselves. Okay. So we're kind of getting to a more balanced place now, but we're still not through, um, through the
1: supply chain issues. Okay so you think like in in terms of for the grocery stores we should be seeing like it has improved and it it should be continuing to prove now i i i drive a new vehicle and People ask me, "Oh, what made you decide on this one?" And I said, "Well, it was the one, the only one on the lot. <laughs> exactly.
2: There's no choice anymore. You yeah. have to take what's there. Yeah. Um, that's the same right across the supply chain. Like even the transportation issues of trying to get goods from one place to another. A lot of that has been disrupted uh, by atmospheric rivers." You know, all of these things that the supply chain has to take the time to reroute and figure out the best way of doing it to move forward. And that takes time. It just takes time. There are really good people out there. There's a lot of supply chain professionals in industry, in the marketplace, doing the best they can. Um and it, it just takes a little bit of time. Mm. People aren't used to having patience anymore. We've been the, I need it now, I want it now, I'm getting it now type situation for years and years and years. Well, everything has just been turned on its head. We have to have some patience now. But as you can see over the last 12 months, things have been moderating. Yes. Um, the volatility is declining in most areas, but there's still some... You know areas that it's a bit volatile, but those will smooth out as well. It's just we have to have the patience. Okay. Do you advise people to stock up? No, I don't. No. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have
2: trust in the supply chain.
1: You do. And, <laughs> I and, and, do. you know, And I remember when um, when that uh, when that massive uh, rain and flooding happened uh, in the in the Lower Mainland. I remember like I had I think it was I had Jim Young on as a guest and he does transportation and he said it'll it'll shake out because he said everybody all the people that are in that supply chain are like most of them like they're either big business or they're small business and their vested interest will force them to make the needed adjustments and so that segues nicely into what you are really good at talking about and that is small businesses um so maybe can you talk a little bit about what brought you t- to become an advocate? Uh, well, or and to be able to speak so well because I, I I'm always impressed by how well you speak about um, the benefits that small businesses bring to us. So absolutely,
2: um, I've been in supply chain oh forty over forty years, mm-hmm. dealing with big business, small business. We need them both. Don't get me wrong. I'm not an advocate for either it's or. It, we, yes, we need both. But small businesses have always been really close to my heart. They are the most wonderful people. They're passionate about what they do. Uh, they're the fabric of Canada. If we didn't have small businesses, Canada wouldn't be here. But they're, even in B.C., we have over a million small businesses in B.C., a which is 98% of all businesses are oh. small businesses. Wow. It's amazing.
1: It's amazing. A million in B C alone. Over a million, yes. Wow. That means a lot of some people must own a few because we have what, six million people, seven?
2: Possibly. I'm yeah. sure that that happens a lot yes, as well. Yeah, yeah.
1: But the small businesses
2: they are passionate, they know their stuff. That's why they're there. And they're resilient. Look at how fast that we've changed since COVID hit. Like that just turned everybody on their heads. It shut down everything. And look at how we're bouncing back. I'm so proud of them. It's amazing that what we can get done with small businesses. I see them as the heartbeat of Mm -hmm. BC. And I really like to advocate for them in, in engaging them in the supply chain because they're the ones with the boots on the ground. They know what's going on. Way more than big business does.
1: Okay. I was just going to say, but when I, like, for instance, I walk into, you know, any of the large businesses and, you know, they've got, they make us, they basically make us by by offering savings on, you know, us, for us if we have their card. And so that way they're tracking us. So that's big data. So how, so the small businesses here in, in Prince George don't have that. Most of them don't. So how do they keep track of, like, when you say they have boots on the ground, why is their boots on the ground better than the big data that the big companies have? They have the community network locally that supports them
2: and that they're tuned into. So they really know what's going on in Prince George. Big businesses, yeah, to some extent, they have to know their market and they have to rely on data. But that data usually goes external to the local economy and then comes back in some form. It's not writable, um, say, by the manager of a big business here. He just gets the data and interprets it it, and reacts to it. The small business network, the community network, it's people talking to people directly and seeing the impacts of decisions made right on the ground floor of Prince George and local economy.
1: Hmm. Well, and that reminds me about an email that we got at City Hall, um, just talking about the difficulty, you know, when our downtown is is uh, the difficulties we've been having downtown, and just the impact. And and so, of course, you know, if you're in a, if you're in small business, you're going to be talking to your neighbors, and you're going to be trying to figure out things. And so, I guess that's one thing. But but also in terms of um, like, do you think that there's that communication between business owners? Um, and small business owners, especially, like, in terms of where the local appetite is going, like, where the market is going locally? To some extent, yes. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're totally surprised
2: by changes in the market because mm-hmm. they, they do have advocate um, associations that work with them as well that can provide them with a broader view of what's mm-hmm. happening in the economy in Canada mm-hmm. and B.C., that type of thing. Um Locally, I think they, the Chambers of Commerce, you know, excellent organization and advocating for them, bringing people together, Mm -hmm. you know, communicating, what are your issues, and talking about them at a very local level. And to me, that provides the information and knowledge that small businesses need, as well as their own community networks among themselves, um, to really reinforce uh, what they can do together. To make their business better, to make their life easier, and to make
1: Prince George a better place. Mm -hmm. Um, So you were talking about the, um, like, Chamber of Commerce, um, and then we have, um, well, we have downtown PG. They operate a little bit differently. um, And then the city has economic development. uh, yeah there's there's a lot of different organizations that that do so do you deal with do you work like in your your capacity as like for your company do you um do you work with those organizations at all or do you is it mostly just with one on one with the businesses surprisingly enough i don't work in the north i work in the south okay, and on
2: but the you're island here.
3: i know oh. <laughs> no, well. my
2: clients are in the Kootenays, Lower Mainland and Vancouver Island. Oh my. So it's it's mostly remote work then. Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Wow. But I I prefer to work with the smaller businesses just because they are more reactive. Um, I was speaking to one of my large clients yesterday in a meeting, and I said, "Well, we need to advance this this particular proposal." And he said, "Well, I can't even get a meeting with the people I need to talk to until the third week of April." And I Whoa. went, "Wow, that's a long time." Yeah. And if it was a small business, it's like I would have an immediate answer. We'd yes. be either moving or not moving. Yeah. You know, it's just the difference in decision making is huge. And there are large businesses that think they can move fast and for their particular sector they do move fast but they are nothing compared to small businesses so they can turn on a dime and so what's the advantage for that like for the customer let's say uh it's just reaction speed to yeah. the market yeah like they can move so much quicker mm-hmm. um i mean you look at the big industries like um in the public sector, academia, school districts, municipalities, hospitals. Trying to get those organizations to move or shift direction is like pulling on an anchor and expecting the ship to turn. Yeah. It's very, very difficult. Um, and progress does happen, eventually. But you have to have the patience to be able to endure that before yes. you get to even the direction you want to go in. But the small businesses... You talk to them and say, I'd like to go in this direction, what do you think? And, yes yeah, it's a great idea, let's do it, and tomorrow they're implementing it. Hmm. So... When we talk about the effects on the economy, it's a small business that's having a huge effect on the economy because they're resilient. They can pivot on a dime. They can move. They can just go out there and do their thing. And if all 98% of the businesses in B.C. are doing that, you can see why they
1: have a huge effect Mm -hmm. on the economy. And and we we haven't even begun to talk about how the fact that small business money, the, the money they earn, the profit they earn, stays in the community. Absolutely. And they spend it in their community. And if you go knock on their door and ask for a donation for your kids' te- uh, sports team or arts team or whatever, they're the ones ponying up for that, right?
2: Yes, it's the local connection, for yeah. sure. That And that drives the economics in the local region, in Prince George or any small business, smaller region. It's the local businesses that are supporting
1: the economy in that region. Yeah, that's uh, and that's something that I found um I, I've done I've tried to do some fundraising in the past and and you know reaching out to these big companies and you know they want all your stats and your data and and then you get the refusal letter and it's like, you know <laughs> <laughs> I mean some of them say yes, right? But but it's like wait a minute. Um you know I've jumped I've jumped through all these hoops and the answer is still no. And so whereas for a small business, I mean at least you know, they might have to say no, but at least it's, there's not as much time spent trying to, you know, jump through those yes. hoops. It's an
2: owner's process sometimes to apply for funding or grants in a large business because they want all the information. Yeah. And
1: that's not going to change. No, and it's not. And, you know, and to be fair to them, they have a whole different process because if they're shareholder run, they have to be able to pr- provide evidence of course data they do. right yes of course they do <laughs> but yeah. i mean that is one of the beauties of the small business is that it's much more personable much more i mean like local it's yeah that's okay well it's time for us to take a break but when we get back let's talk a little bit about the st- statistics from across canada and in bc and uh some of the m- economic impact of small business Great. in our region we'll be back after this
4: there isn't much that a country singer hasn't covered in a song. If you want to hear songs about new love, lost love, drinking, fighting, cowboys, trains, traveling, and everything else, then tune into The Country Cavalcade every Wednesday, 6 to 8, where I cover music from the 20s to the 90s, as well as today's traditional independent artists. You'll hear from such greats as the Carter family, Johnny Horton, Vern Charlton, and so much more. The Country Cavalcade, Wednesday, 6 to 8, only here on 93.1 CFIS FM with me, Corey Wall.
5: Learn to love your smile again at Dirt Denture Center. Dirt Denture Center offers a full range of denture services, from partial dentures to complete dentures. Same-day repairs are also available. Dirt Denture Center is located on the third floor of the Victoria Medical Building with easy elevator access. Come in for a free complimentary consultation. No referral required. For help with your existing set or if you need new, Dirt Denture Center in the Victoria Medical Building, call 250-562-6638.
4: Hungry? Looking
5: for something good to eat? Well, pop on by Boston Pizza and try their new feature menu where jalapeno popper dip is back by popular demand, along with the many tasty new items. As always, Boston Pizza offers medium and large pizzas. Buy one, get one, 50% off for takeout or delivery. And don't forget their Appy Hour runs in-store from 3 to 6 and 9 to closing daily. Give
4: Boston Pizza a show today at either location, Spruceland or Brookwood, for any of your snacking needs. Forecast from Environment Canada. Sunny today, wind from the north at 30K, a high of minus 15, a wind chill this morning to minus 36 with a risk of frostbite. Clear tonight, north winds becoming light in the evening, a low of minus 30, a wind chill to minus 38 with a risk of frostbite. On Friday, increasing cloudiness, a high of minus 14 with an afternoon wind chill to minus 22 and a risk of frostbite. Featuring the people who make things happen in Prince
0: George, you're listening to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM.
1: All right, we're back talking with Chris Monroe, CEO of uh, CM2 Ventures, talking about small business. Um, just looking at a analysis on uh, Statistics Canada website. Um, in 2021, small businesses made up 98.1 percent, 98.1 percent of all employer businesses in Canada. And how many people do they employ? You just—I think you had a number. Zero to four
2: employees represent about 83, 84% of all the businesses in B.C.
1: Very small business. Okay, and what percentage of the labor force is that? That is almost two-thirds. Yes, Yes. it says here, in addition, small businesses employed 10.3 million individuals in Canada, which is almost two-thirds, 63% of the total labor force. That is phenomenal. It's huge, isn't it? Wow You know Part You know I was just I, I had this thought the other day because I've been uh, as a, as a counselor, we've been invited to come to a number of the capstone projects, which is lovely fun. Like at the different schools where kids are presenting the work that they've done, and you know they're showcasing. Um, either, like I mean, one was about their tr- the trades, and 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 then others were just about the general things that they want to get into. And and I have to say, I don't think I saw a single presentation with that somebody wanted to go into business. And so I'm going in a different direction than I had been to. But it's like it just occurred to me that, yeah, there wasn't. And so, I mean, how do we fix that? Like with these numbers, it's obvious that there's tons of people going into business, even though that maybe isn't being presented as an option in school. So what what's going on there? Like what happens? Why Like why do do you have any insight into that? I have an op- an opinion. I think people go to
2: work. You know, you start off working when you're a kid. You work for various organizations. Yep. And you either get to a point where you want to continue that until you don't. Yeah. And when you don't, what do you do? Well, you've gained a lot of knowledge and experience, and you probably have some education. And you kind of fall into where you might like to go. And some of that is opening a small business, being able to drive that passion that you have, that you've created, into yes, this is exactly what I want to do. I know how to run it. I have the experience. Let's fly at it. Or there are other people who come out of, you know, an educational institution and know immediately that they want to start a small business because they found a niche that nobody has that they think they could excel at and make some money. And so there's kind of two ways people go into it. But I think like
1: most of us, we kind of just fall into things. Well, and we might talk about the four-day work week again because I was later on, but because I, when I was coming in, I was listening to CBC and they were talking about the four-day work week. But that is the opposite of what small businesses do. Small businesses work, like owners, work way more hours than a forty-hour work week. Generally, right? Am I yes, right? Yes, they do. Yeah, yeah they do.
2: Um, but again, that's what's supporting the economy.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: Four-day work weeks, if it works for organizations, that's great.
1: Run with it. But it's not going to work for everyone. And I guess it would work for some small businesses, because, depending on the nature of the business, right? If Mm -hmm. you've got a retail storefront, well, that's not probably not going to work.
2: Exactly. You Mm -hmm. need people-to-people contact, right? You need people there. But how they structure that with either more employees or part-time versus full-time, they're very creative people, small Mm -hmm. businesses, because they have to make it work. They yeah. depend on it. Their reputation, their lives depend on their business. So it's, they make things work. They're resilient. They're creative. I,
1: I just have so much respect well, for Well, and, and you know, just, um, I think it was a few days after the uh, Canfor announced their uh, shutdown of the Pulp Line. And I went to visit uh, a friend of mine who's a longtime resident, small business owner here in Prince George. And they said, well, you know, people need to remember that Prince George residents are very resilient. We've gone through ups and downs and over and over again, and she said, "I think Prince George will be just fine." And it was just such a nice message to hear because it was it was so discouraging. I mean, you know, I mean, I I sort of knew that this was coming just from my contacts, but it's it was like it still was a really huge blow for the community. Absolutely. But again, we've had years of this,
2: ups and downs, and it's the small businesses that are the face of it. They're wearing it yeah, all the time. Are. And I'm not saying they get used to it because it's always tough. It's it, very difficult to go through the downtimes. But at the same time, that resilience that's built into the business through going through it, uh, really <coughs> fares well for them in the long run. Mm-hmm. And I think they will be fine. They may need to shift. They may need
1: to pivot in a different direction. But they can do that, mm-hmm. and they can do it quickly. Yes, and um, earlier, just off the la- off the air, we were talking about how small businesses grow into big businesses, and because uh, we, I mean, we were just talking about a big business, and that business probably started small. Um, so how do, how does that happen? And have you seen? Do you, do you know offhand? Um, I should probably know better, but. Maybe you know some stories of, com- of people that have started as a really small business and have grown into a medium-sized business or big business here in Prince George. Sometimes growth is not wanted, but it happens
2: anyways mm-hmm. to small business. I think a lot of organizations have gone into it, and if they've been very successful, they need to grow to stay successful. Yes. So there's no choice in the matter. They have to grow or they stay the same and probably deteriorate. So I can see a lot of small businesses moving in that direction. But I once had a conversation way back in my earlier years that I really remember. I was talking to a fellow who was a very small business, Mm -hmm. a very successful business. And I said, well, don't you want to get bigger? Like, isn't growth kind of what you want to do? And he said, bigger isn't always better. I don't want to grow. I want to stay small because I can... I have more flexibility when I'm small than when I'm big.
1: And that stayed with me for 20, 30 years now. And there's a, there's the idea or theory of diminishing returns, right? Correct, yes. Because as you, at a certain point when you're growing, the profit margin decreases so much that you actually can't be profitable. And so you either have to get much bigger or, um, or stay smaller. Yes. what, so what's the difference between, be like, do you see any, um, do you see any ways that people can, like, let's say you're a small business, but it's like, my goodness, I'm working 100 hours a week, and I never have time for a vacation. How can people get moved past that?
2: Oh, that's a challenging question. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't have a single answer for
1: that one. <laughs> <laughs> but have you seen people be able to do that? Yes. Yeah. Yes,
2: by re-strategizing how they're doing their business. And they may need to increase um, the workforce mm-hmm. for them in some capacity. But again, right now, it's hard to find people, right? Yes.
1: It's r- really hard to find good employees. Hmm. That, and that uh, that that that's the thing I'm always hearing and it's like, oh my goodness, how do we get past that I know and uh, where is it in Japan? I mean there's doing more and more um, I mean you we you and I both grew up during a time um, when we were thinking there would be robots serving us tea and coffee and <laughs> Isn't Japan doing a little bit of that in yes. in, in unusual ways that we didn't anticipate? Yes, <laughs> they don't look like uh, they don't look like us, but <laughs> no,
2: but they're trying it. It's a great
1: experiment. <laughs> is it working?
2: I'm not sure. No, <laughs> people yeah. still like that face to face contact. Yes, but at the same time, like my necessity is the mother of invention yes. for sure. Um, people have to adapt to new ways of doing things, and a lot of the challenges to the workforce right now a lot of organizations are automating yes and automation
1: has come in a huge way in the last three years all right so it's time for to take a break and when we come back we will be talking with still talking with chris monroe and we'll talk a little bit more about automation and small business
5: if you are affected by dementia, you are not alone. The Alzheimer's Society of BC offers in-person and virtual support groups for caregivers and people living with early symptoms of dementia. Learn, laugh, and help others through mutual understanding. For a list of upcoming support group meetings or more information, visit alzbc.org. Registration is also available through the First Link Dementia Helpline at 1-800-936-6033. In-person and virtual support groups from the Alzheimer's Society of BC. Sign up today. Eat healthy and fresh at Homesteader Meats. Founded by Ben and Rosella Clausen in 1982. Homesteader Meats has two premium quality meat and gluten-free products, plus Wednesday is Senior's Day at Homesteader Meats. Seniors 55 and over save 10% off regular prices. Single portions are available in most items, including pierogies and sausages, and are half-pound packages off ground beef, ground pork, stew meat, and Meat Pies. Everything from Erladen to Patty's is at Homesteader Meats in two locations, College Heights and Park Hill Center. Are you a leader who wants to take their leadership to the next level? Do you have an emerging leader on your team who needs support? At Pivot Leader, our Leaders in Business program combines leadership training with one-on-one coaching to help leaders just like you. You'll learn how to deal with people better, handle conflict, hire and keep staff, delegate more effectively, read financial statements, and learn coaching skills to move your team along. There's a less stressful way to improve your own. Out- Outcomes. We can show you how. If you'd like to be a better leader, reach out to us today at pivotleader.com. Pivot Leader will help you grow, train, and sell your business. The Prince George Elks will be hosting a country dance Saturday, March 25th, from 7.30 to 11 at the Elks Community Hall, located at 663 Douglas Street. Admission will be $15 at the door and will include a small lunch and refreshments to be served by the Ladies Royal Purple. A 50-50 draw will also be held. Everybody is welcome. That's an Elks Country Dance, Saturday, March 25th at the Elks Community Hall, 663 Douglas Street.
0: Thank you for tuning in and staying tuned to After Nine on ninety three point one CFIS FM. Okay, we're back talking with Chris Monroe about small
1: business and uh, just talking a little bit about. I wanted to talk a little bit about automation in small business. So, what kind of like we were talking about Japan and you know the whole robot thing that they're doing there because they their population is aging and they don't have enough young people. Um, What do you see the changes here? Uh, Where are you seeing uh, small businesses, especially small medium? Uh, businesses utilizing automation. They're using
2: or taking advantage of others' automation at this point. It, I don't think it necessarily has reached the end of the line in the small business itself. Meaning it hasn't completely um, evolved. Evolved into it, Yes. But they are taking advantage of, say, quicker deliveries. I mean, it used to take ages to put an order in to get your supplies or whatever transported back. Now it's all, all electronic. You place your orders electronically. The larger manufacturing for, firms are automated. They've got robots to pick all your supplies off the shelves and package them up and ship them out. And they are pretty much delivered, you know, within a two to three to five day window if the supplies are available. That's amazing. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, and it wasn't like that 5 to 10 years ago. Yeah. Things have just increased in
1: speed dramatically. Yeah, I remember um trying to buy parts for a vehicle and and it was always like a week or 10 days or 2 weeks. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, oh yeah, it'll be here in a day or two or three. Yes. Yeah, that's I guess that's an example of that.
2: Exactly. Eh? And they can track it now, too. Yes. Like everything is traceable yes. and trackable.
1: Okay, so um what about, like, I mean, the giant Amazon? I mean, they've done taken over so much of the retail space. How, like, are small businesses, like, are they, do they have a chance fighting that monolith?
2: I think they do. I mean, the big businesses do play a role. They influence policy, they influence procedures, they develop new technologies that everybody can benefit from, although not immediately, down the line they will. But at the same time, the small businesses are the ones with the boots on the ground. They're servicing their local economy, they're supporting their local economy, they're the ones reaping the benefits of their local economy. So I think there's room for both, but... You know, as a statistic show across Canada, 98% of all businesses are small businesses. And 83% of that 98% are zero to four employees or one to four employees. I mean, those stats are just mind-blowing. Hmm. Just mind-blowing. They are. And they're resilient. They're still here after yeah. COVID.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, so what benefit, like, is, does Amazon, is there any benefit in the here and now for us? Like, like, let's talk retail. For a retail store owner, that, like, um, well, actually, I should, I mean, I, I remember when I was campaigning, I knocked on this on a door of a business, and it was a woman's lingerie shop, and I was like, "This is unusual," and it was, it just seemed, it was very clean, and it looked beautiful, but it it just was a little bit odd, and so the owner was there, and um, I hope, and, and anyway. She sells on. She sells her the lingerie online. Wow. And her storefront wasn't really meant to be retail,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, like a, retail, a normal store that you just walk in and buy stuff. You could, but that wasn't her focus. Her focus was her online business. And that's a huge component of businesses nowadays. Yeah.
2: There's a lot of small businesses in Prince George that most of us aren't even aware of because they don't do retail you know storefront operations and they're working remotely across Canada across the world um,
1: and there's many of those in Prince George I'm sure yes well and I just um, I mean just this morning I heard a an IT company who uh, has its base here in Prince George and they have uh, well how would you they have employees, I think, across the across the world. Mm-hmm. And the reason that they located in Prince George was because they're in the same time zone as Silicon Valley. Yes. It's like, oh, that's interesting.
2: And we can compensate for time zones as well. I mean. Yes. But the advantage of remote work is you can work anywhere. Yes. Um, I was just down in Mexico in January, and they've gotten big into remote work they've now opened some co-working spaces in almost every little town because people are going there to work for six months a year and they need to be connected to their businesses
1: oh my goodness but it's
2: all remote work so it doesn't matter where you are Wow! you can work remotely all my business and my most of my business is all remote work as well it, hmm. it's all the electronics i mean if the internet ever shut down we'd be hooped <laughs> like small business would die <laughs> for sure but that's the world we live in right now
1: well well let's talk a little bit about that like do you do you recommend a small business owner goes completely paperless or do you think there is a ra- there is a place to keep analog or paper record records and documents i
2: don't like paper personally um I like everything accessible wherever I need to get it from, which is in the cloud or on yep. the computer. Um, paper, yeah, things get lost too fast on my desk, yep. so I prefer to have everything electronic. Um, but I think that shift is coming. It's been coming for a while. Mm-hmm. I think small businesses are now adopting
1: a lot of uh, computer technology to assist them, and, it- and it's working for them. And once you figure it out, because sometimes I know, I mean, just, I mean, once you figure out how to use the technology, then you go, oh, my goodness, this is so quick. Uh, and then if you have a problem, you're thinking, oh, why do I do it this way? But <laughs> but that's temporary, right? Exactly. It's like bank cards. Yes. Like how many
2: of us 20 years ago would have thought we're using our bank cards and not carrying cash? Yeah. Uh, and that's a huge transition for society. Yep. It's massive. Um, yes, we're all concerned about cyber security and big brother watching us. But at the same time, we've adapted that technology really quite quickly. And small businesses are, have done the same thing. Like you walk into a small business sometimes and they're using their Apple tablet. Yes. As a cash register. Yeah, And all the information is stored electronically and they have a small printer to print out a receipt. Because people need that if they're working face-to-face.
1: Or you have the option of getting an emailed receipt. Mm-hmm. So are those costs, that, that reminded me of something that I read the other day, about? are those costs beginning to come down for retailers? Or are those costs, like, for using um, these different apps, this like this little square thing or the Apple thing? Like, are those costs beginning to come down? Or do you think they're reasonable for what the service they're providing? I
2: think it's a cost balance equation. Yeah. How much are you saving by not having to buy paper, for not having to maintain your printers, for not having to service everything, and for just being able to store things electronically? There's a cost balance equation mm. in there that they have to look at. Mm-hmm. I think the more people use it, naturally costs are going to stabilize or yes. even decrease. Yeah. So I think that's been an advantage as well. Um, but any cost to a small business are huge costs you know, because it's their livelihood, they're paying for it. So yeah. it's very difficult to get entrenched in new technology if you don't have to, if you have to buy equipment to do so. Right. It's,
1: it's a challenge for sure. Okay. Uh, we're, we'll be, Chris Monroe and I will be back after this break.
5: Artists come in all ages. Children are naturally drawn to create art as a fun way to visually express themselves. Studio 2880 is pleased this month to showcase 33 student paintings from the PG Create Art Studio in the feature gallery. The show is available for viewing Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays from 11 to 5, student paintings from the Prince George Creed Art Studio on display through the end of February in the Studio 2880 Feature Gallery, 2880 15th Avenue. Lunch is served Monday through Friday at the Brunswick Street Centre. Nutritious and affordable, pick up the monthly menu from the centre so you don't miss your favourites as there's a different main course every day. Lasagna, chicken, burgers, chilli, ham, spaghetti, pizza a great variety scheduled throughout the month. For more information, email senioractivitypg at shaw.ca. The Brunswick Street Centre, open for lunch Monday through Friday at 4th and Brunswick, downtown. The Brunswick Centre is closed for statutory holidays. Trinity United Church and your Community Arts Council are excited to present the inaugural event of the newly renovated Knox Performance Center. Pianist Angela Hewitt will perform a full solo concert on March 9th and conduct a master class for select local students on March 10th, which you can also attend. Tickets for the concert, master class, and an elegant reception with the artist are available through Studio2880.com and TrinityPG.ca. That's
4: pianist Angela Hewitt, March 9th and 10th at Knox Performance. Centre. Forecast from Environment Canada. Sunny today, wind from the north at 30k, a high of minus 15, a wind chill this morning to minus 36 with a risk of frostbite. Clear tonight, north winds becoming light in the evening, a low of minus 30, a wind chill to minus 38 with a risk of frostbite. On Friday, increasing cloudiness, a high of minus 14 with an afternoon wind chill to minus 22 and a risk of frostbite. This is After 9 on Prince George's Community Station,
0: 93.1 CFIS-FM. Okay, we're back talking with uh,
1: Chris Monroe and talking about small businesses. And uh, during the break, we were talking about a term, social procurement. So what does that mean? Social procurement
2: is where large public organizations can put back into the communities that they work with uh, sufficient funds to support the economy through Procurement. It's a very okay, interesting
1: okay. comment. <laughs> okay, so okay, so unpack that. Large, so,
2: com- no.
1: Procurement
2: is a part of supply chain. It's not the whole reason. And of procurement supply chain. means like getting the
1: stuff that you need, right? Yes,
2: buying for an organization is procurement. Okay. If we support through procurement small businesses, we can in fact return econ- economic benefit to the local community. People say, well, you can't do that. You've got all these rules and regulations. Yes, we can. How can we do that? We can do that by engaging small businesses who employ disadvantaged people. For one thing, we can put that as a, as a, one of the evaluation factors that we look at when we're procuring from companies. We can look at buying from companies who are invested in charitable organizations. Okay. We can there's a B Corp status for organizations that they can get going through um, their social governance and how they operate their business by putting those as priorities in public organizations you can often influence the factor of spending locally with small businesses and it doesn't break any rules, regulations, laws anything but it does factor into an economic basis for flourishing the economy in which they're doing business. It's a new concept. It's only been around for the last seven to 10 years, and it's growing.
1: So is that something that, so this is big businesses are doing this, yes. right? Because I was just, um, um, I think, like on city council, I know that like there's d- trade deals and And things where you have to, like, if something is over a certain amount of money, you have to buy it from, or you have to open the market or the the bidding on on that, like, to to various different lengths. Correct. So this is not the same thing. It does factor into procurement,
2: but procurement is not just price-based. Okay. It can be, you know, quality-based. It can... Um, be social based. I'm not saying that those are the major factors. I mean, price will always be a component of it, but there are other things that can influence the decision making other than just strictly price. Yeah. And those additional influencers can affect small businesses because oftentimes they're the ones who can provide that information quickly. Yes. And in response, it does take time. There is a cost to developing it. I understand that. But at the same time, if they can get a portion of that business returned to the community, I think that's a great thing. Hmm. I fully support that. Hmm, And I've used it a lot with a lot of my clients. And how can we do this? Can we um, ensure that the companies we're engaged in are hiring local employees? Because those local employees get
1: a salary and they return that back to the community. So what does that look like when you're like on the ground? Like for the companies that you work with, so... Like so, you're you're considering buying something like lumber or toilet paper. It's more in the
2: services end of it. Okay, if I'm engaging, say, uh, an engineering firm, yeah. uh, to work with a, a organization, a large organization, I want to know if those engineering firms have any social directions in their policy that will influence where they invest their money. Okay. Um, and what are they? Do they employ uh, local people mm-hmm. um, as engineers in training, as casual laborers, as office people? What sorts of things do they do for their local economy that we can weigh into the
1: evaluation hmm. of determining
2: whether they get the job or somebody else gets the job?
1: Right. So so I guess what you're saying is that if, let's say that price is your main factor, but you also are interested in this, so if you've got two bids, let's say that you have to go with the lowest bid, but you have two bids that are the same or two opportunities to buy, and but and then you look, hey, wait a minute, these people have, what did you call it, a social procurement? Yes. Policy? Yeah. And then that would tip the balance in their favor then. Absolutely. I guess that would be, ta- it's basically just another reason, like people are establishing reasons to buy from us. Mm-hmm. And it's becoming very, very important if um, the City of
2: Calgary is a huge one into social procurement, for instance. And they weigh social procurement probably about 15-20% of the evaluation criteria when they're selecting suppliers. Hmm. Uh, Price is not necessarily the best way to look at things. It's a lot of other factors that influence the decision as well. Hmm. I've been... In some instances, I've worked on competitions where price is not even a factor mm. at all. It's the future growth and business and how they're going to work with us. It's very interesting. Mm. Very interesting. Well,
1: I remember reading, um, I think it was Sam Walton's auto, uh, bio, autobiography. Walmart. Yes. yes, Walmart. Yes. And he said he didn't like to make deals that were the were the... A supplier they were making buying from wasn't making money, because he mm-hmm. said what it means for us is that we're going to have to find another supplier next time around. Absolutely, that is so true, and we've seen that happen during COVID, right? Yeah, yes, yeah. And and I mean it's true on so many levels. Like especially these days when there's such a, um, a labor shortage. Okay, is that does this company treat their employees well, and will will they be able to provide the product? Mm-hmm because they they are taking care of their employees exactly and that's huge that is huge in this day and age yeah that's that's really interesting and i um yeah that's with the um and that brings to mind like that whole idea of the the four-day work week trying and i and this is something one of my personal pet peeves is i look sometimes i look at the labor market and and or our economy our economy set up and i think okay you know what um where do we recognize that people have families yes um, and it's it's a, i mean as a woman particularly right because if 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 i mean our governments were just recently cheering the fact that i think it's 86% of women of childbearing age are working and i thought okay but are they are they happy are they able to work in a way and moms and dads in a way that the children are still are not that the, that the children are considered and important and that there's time for them.
2: I think it's really come around in the last few years of the recognition that it's more than work, work, work. It's yeah. more than just money. Yeah. There's so many other influential factors into whether people go to work for a company or they don't. Yeah. And healthy employees are the ones growing the business. Yeah. So why don't you want your employees to be healthy? And yeah. how can big business ensure that? you know through their evaluation criteria looking at the companies that they're working with and ensuring they're healthy because yeah. we want viability yeah you know we really want viability yeah. we've been through too much black swans <laughs> and stress thank you very much yeah. so we want our companies to survive yeah So we want to make sure that they are healthy. And how can we do that? Price doesn't factor in any of that. So there's all these other criteria that should be part of how we look at developing relationships with our small
1: businesses. Okay. All right. It's time for another break. We'll be back with our last segment after
4: this. Artisan vendor opportunities are now available for this summer's night markets at Studio 2880. Set for the evenings of Thursday, July 6th and Thursday, August 17th, vendor registration is now open. Spots are limited, so sign up soon to reserve your space. Registration and more details are available under programs at Studio2880.com Studio 2880's summer night markets, Thursday, July 6th and Thursday, August 17th at Studio 2880. Artisan vendor registration is available through Studio
5: Get up to speed in Microsoft Excel with CNC's Microsoft Excel Online Boot Camps. Start with the basics, or if you're feeling confident, move up to the next level. Then go beyond the basics and next-level courses and see the results of your hard work payoff by making data presentable. These online boot camps are instructor-led over two evenings. Registration and full details are available through Continuing Education. Registration deadline for the upcoming Next Level Boot Camp is February 28th. A new two-year nursing degree program at UNBC will provide more healthcare education opportunities in the north and help improve access to care for patients across the region. This is an expansion of the Northern Baccalaureate Nursing Program, which launched at UNBC's Fort St. John Campus in the fall of 2021. If you're interested in learning more about the new program, be sure to attend a special open house in the Teaching and Learning Centre Building Atrium at UNBC on Tuesday, February 28th from 5 to 8. The Prince George Potter's Guild is taking registration for upcoming classes. Beginner Hand Building Level 2 will take place Tuesdays from April 20th to May 25th with six evenings of instruction followed by one month of studio time. Clay and use of tools as well as glazing and firing during classes is also included. Instructed by Natalie Brackus, registration and full details on this course are available through the Potter's Guild link under Programs at Studio2880.com.
0: You're listening to After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. All right. We were just having a good laugh
1: because phones have been going off this morning uh, very rudely. Um, but we wanted to talk a little bit about the, the opportunity here in Prince George uh, for remote work. And Chris, this is something that you do. Um, so how, how does that work for
2: you? I think it's a huge opportunity for Prince George to recruit remote, remote workers. I mean, if Mexico is now doing an op- opening co-work space, there's no reason why Prince George can't. We have so many advantages to anywhere else in the province, uh, for being able to, you know, diverse lifestyles, outdoors, yep. and the more people do remote work, the more they can come to Prince George. I mean, it's only an hour's flight to the yep. Lower Mainland. Yep. That is just as long as driving in from Chilliwack to <laughs> Vancouver. <you laughs> That's know? right. It's less time, actually. Yep. Um, so I don't see any reason why Prince George
1: can't be focused on attracting remote workforce. So what are some of the things that, that would appeal to somebody, let's say, doing that hour-and-a-half commute in Vancouver
2: Absolutely. Getting out of the craziness of having people in your face 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Like here, there's space. There's a lot of space for people. Yeah. You know, they can be flexible. They can, you know, be outside if they want to. They can go skiing. Whatever outdoor activity you choose, it's here for you. And I think that's a great thing um, to attract people. And I think, I don't think we're doing an adequate enough job yet of attracting that workforce. I think we need a lot more co-working space for Prince George. Um, there isn't enough. Like, if I need to move out of my house to have a meeting with people, where do I go? Where's um, the meeting space? I don't want to have to pay a huge amount of money because I'm a small business,
1: so there's, too. there's a business opportunity. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> well, and I was just thinking, because uh, and that's interesting. Um, and also, one thing... But I know about Prince George. I mean, we just had that whole affordability study come out, and Prince George was the most affordable place. But I mean, we all know that, right? Yes, <laughs> we do. We do. <laughs> and someone was saying, um, "Oh, we've got well, well, gosh, I'm very pleased. We've got Chris, Stern, Chris oh gosh, Stearns, right? Am I saying that, yeah. Susan? Oh, but Chris, do sit still, sit down, because we do want to have you part of this last ten minutes here or a few minutes. Um, Oh, yes, now I'm all confused. We've got Chris Monroe and Susan Stearns from the Community Foundation has just joined us as well. So we've been ta- spending the hour talking a lot about uh, small businesses and the benefits. And so y- you have a few minutes just to talk about what do you do at Community, community Futures to support small businesses?
3: Our primary role is exactly that, supporting small businesses. So we offer anything from workshops and training to one-on-one coaching to move a business forward right from I have an idea through to selling or purchasing a business. So we support the full life cycle of a business and helping them grow, stabilize, wherever they're at in that cycle. So... It's a matter of really being there to figure out where the business is at, how to support them, and then we also offer networking opportunities and a number of other supports through projects. So quite a busy portfolio.
1: okay. well, and Chris was talking about that earlier about the like for local businesses, especially what the advantage they have is the networking. So you're one of those places. so how many how many businesses do you uh, typically, help set up or establish in a year like how many interactions do you have that varies year to year but the
3: average uh, number of what we call contacts in a year is well over 800 and Over the time that Community Futures has been in the Fraser-Fort George region, we have supported, through our loan program, over 750 businesses. And that means over $38 million going back into the economy to support business development, jobs, and the stabilization of the economy.
2: Wow. That's huge.
3: That's That's huge. That's mega-huge. Well, we're proud to say that because <laughs> the, the, we started with $800,000 in uh, loan funds. So you can well imagine how many times that money has turned over over the
1: years. Wow.
2: That, how many businesses have benefited from that and grown on to grow in the Prince George region? Like, I I think that's
1: wonderful. That's just amazing. Wow. I know that uh, my one of my friends is a very uh, huge promoter of the work that you do. So what are you looking, just in the few minutes we've got left, what are you looking at uh, for the next sort of six months, 12 months, two years period? for your, What What will you guys be doing that's uh, maybe a little bit different from we, previously? We
3: always look at what's going on in the community. So we're not here to duplicate services or anything of that nature. So we look for uh, economic gaps, uh For example, over the last 10 years, agriculture was a gap. And we have been supporting the agriculture sector for the past 10 years we now see an opportunity to continue that partnership. And the regional
1: regional district just announced an actual agricultural strategy, right?
3: Exactly. And fortunately, we've been a part of that and working with that committee. We're excited to see where that's going to go. We're looking at where do we, for lack of words, fit in. Uh, Because again, we're not here to duplicate. If it's time for us to let go and look at other opportunities, that's what we'll do. And, of course, so over the next fiscal year, we operate a government fiscal year. Have to love it because we never quite line up with every, all, everyone. <laughs> but we certainly appreciate that that's what we operate. Yep. And so we'll be doing our LEAP conference again in October 2023, which has been a huge success. We'll continue to enhance networking. We're planning on at least one larger quarterly networking event. So any ideas, by all means, please well, share. have you got some, Chris? <laughs> oh, wonderful. We'll need I'm to talk. I'm just
2: going, wow, look at all these businesses that are being supported.
1: I'm thinking, wow, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one thing that we were talking about earlier is... Um, uh, like I've been able to attend a number of the capstone projects that schools have put on and no blame to anyone but it's like there's very few kids that at that point know that they want to go into business yeah. so what do you do um I mean so when and Chris was just saying you know it's sort of a an evolving thing that kids eventually or you know as they grow into adults they realize you know what I'd like to be in business for myself so how do people get in touch with you if they have no idea where where to start
3: Essentially, they can give our office a call, which is 250-562-9622. And any one of our team is always happy to talk business with you. And, or go on our website at cfdc.bc.ca.
1: We're always happy to hear from you. Okay, well, thank you so much, ladies both, for coming in, and thank you for being champions for small business here in the beautiful city of Prince George. So that is it for today's show. Join us tomorrow for RES and the Friday political panel.
0: After Nine is a weekday presentation of CFISFM. After Nine is produced by Alan Wishart, Eric Allen, Kylie Lewis-Holt, Trudy Clausen, and Rez Krebs. Executive producer is Reg Fair, with technical assistance from Stephen Smith. Theme music is by The Ebbs. For a rebroadcast of today's program, check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca.
5: This is Community Radio 93.1
4: CFISFM, proudly supported by Prince George businesses like Copar Administration.